Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Welcome to Tigers Uncaged, the 16th episode of Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. Shout out to them. My name is Jesse. He is the interim color play-by-play man. I guess. Lance Dahl, how are you, buddy? Yeah, good, good. Four months. That's 16 weeks, right? Four months you've been doing this. I guess, yeah. It's Six- been a lot of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, some people have asked us, you know, how it's been doing a, a team that is, is struggling right now, but I mean... This isn't the first time we've seen a Tigers team struggle. You and I grew up here. We were at the arena games where they could hardly even get a thousand people because they stunk so bad. It's just been a while, but it's been a uh, while. But hey, every team's gonna go through it. Sure. And so uh, this is just the Tigers' time right now. But you know, bigger and better things on the horizon. That's the thing is, thinking. I mean, you look at this team. I will say the last game that we just saw them against uh, Red Deer Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They are looking a lot better. I feel like this team is now starting to work with each other. You have to remember, very young team. Yeah. And I think a guy like uh, Logan Barlogi uh, adds a lot to it. And I, I can't wait till we get to sit down with Scott because I want to know why this guy has become such a fan favorite. Is it because he's scoring goals? Mm-hmm. Or is it because of the way he plays? Yeah. That the fans are sitting there going, wow, like this one guy has really turned this team around. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering... Why we're saying the last game was against Red Deer, though when you hear this, they played the Edmonton Oil Kings. That's because at the end of this, you're going to hear our thoughts on how it went against Edmonton because, uh, well, we're recording this at two different times. Yeah, so. yeah, that's the, that's the magic <laughs> of making the podcast. Right? Yeah, we had to talk to Scott before the game uh, against the Edmonton Oil Kings midweek, and then he wasn't available after the week because he has other things that he has to do. Mm-hmm. So we talked to him before, and then we're uh, going to be on the extra, kind of diving into how that game went uh, with the Tigers and Oil Kings, hopefully well, and then tee up the weekend. But uh, what a weekend it'll be. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to Scott and see how he sees the Logan Barlogi effect with this team so far and, and what it means for them and, and I guess, where they maybe go in, in terms of team development and uh, goaltending is becoming a, a talking point again. So uh, a few things to dive into. And Manitoba is yeah. another thing. So. Yeah, we got to talk about Manitoba because the big I, – I would say the big story this week was that the Tigers were getting set to go on a lengthy road trip. Right. Going to Edmonton to take on the Oil Kings and then going to Manitoba. You got Brandon Friday and then the two games against Winnipeg. That now not going to happen because Manitoba doesn't want to play games if you can't have fans in there, which – Maybe. We don't really know how long this is going to be. Mm-hmm. They're kind of taking it week by week, I think they are, for uh, Seems their, that way. the Manitoba guidelines. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk about that. What's what's next for the Manitoba teams? Uh, can you really afford to sit and not play for weeks on end? So, yeah. We'll talk about that and uh, a whole bunch more coming up on Tigers Uncaged. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. 
For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, the podcast for the Medicine Hat Tigers, of course, powered by South Country Co-op. It's Jesse and Lance. And as always, we are joined by our good friend of the show. He is Chat TV Sports Anchor. He is the interim Tigers hockey, I guess, play-by-play guys, what we would call Mr. Scott Roblin. Yay. How are you, buddy? What's going on, boys? Now, uh, we're talking to you on a Tuesday, just the, the element of surprise for the podcast. We right. just got back from the, the media scrum, if you will, that the Tigers had. And uh, as we are recording this breaking news regarding a Tigers player, our favorite hot ass, uh, he got into a little hot water. Little bits uh, in the second period of Sunday's 3-2 win over the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, Bogdan's um, got tied up with... Frantisek for Manic from the uh, Rebels. Um, you know, Bogdan's delivered a, a cross check. Was given a, a game misconduct and a five minute penalty for uh, for that cross check. Did not return obviously on Sunday. And uh, we're just coming down uh, overnight from the Western Hockey League that uh, Bogdan's hot ass has been suspended the next two games for the Tigers. So we will not see him on the ice either uh, Wednesday um, against the Edmonton Oil Kings or on Saturday at home against the Moose Jaw Warriors. Obviously not here to debate um, suspensions no, sure of any that, kind uh, like that. No, that's what the podcast is all about. Well, we can, suspe- we can, we can okay. have a conversation. All, all, the only thing I thought, and it's just an immediate thought because you told us this five minutes before we jumped on to record today. Um, so he gets five in a game there in the building. And, and keep in mind under this veil that up until now, uh, we haven't even seen the video of, of what it looked like. We didn't even see it in real time. Um, so he gets five in the game midway through the second. Uh, Francisek Formanek then returns to the game yeah. a couple shifts later. Thankfully, he's not hurt, and he's he's able to play out the rest of the rest of the game. And Scott, quote me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's shown up on an injury report since then. Um, I've not seen it, no. So so that's actually that, that's a stiff stiff penalty, but it, it, you ha- you almost have to commend the league to an extent for for enforcing the rule irregardless of injury, no? Yeah, I mean, you know, injury does play a factor into it, but I think the, the biggest thing is intent. And look, we've talked to Bogdan Saudas. He's uh, kind of the antithesis of a dirty player mm-hmm. in this league. Like, he's not usually, um, in the short time he's been here with the Tiger, he hasn't been known as a guy who lays dangerous hits or, or does this. Um, obviously, if, you know, the, the league sending a bit of a message here, you know, Bogdan Saudas' first year import for the Tigers um, has not been suspended, has not faced any supplemental discipline by the WHL to this point and gets handed a multi-game suspension for this. Um, you know, I, I think for the WHL, they do view the player safety aspect as one of the biggest things. Um, and 
especially when you're taking a look at players in compromised positions. And you can look just on, on the cross-check and say, well, there's cross-checking every game. But, you know, obviously Formanic was down for quite a while in front of the bench. Um, like you said, the play was kind of going the other way and actually didn't really see the play happen in real time. But it is a, a tough scenario where you do have a player um, that's caught in a compromised position in front of the, the wall. And you got to be careful with that stick when you, if you are delivering a cross check, usually it's in the numbers in the back or uh, maybe on a, on a pair of hands. But anytime you get up around kind of the head face area, um, that's when it starts to get a little bit dicey. And, um, you know, the, the Western Hockey League wants to try and eliminate that as much as possible. And injury does play a part in it. But I think the, the biggest thing is the act itself. And, um, as a result, the Tigers are going to be short a, a defender going into their next two games. Yeah. Now, this is easy for me to say because we're on the, uh, the I guess, suspension actor <laughs> end of things. But, I mean, uh, the Red Deer Rebel player did come back on the ice. He, he did not get any, get any injuries, and Bogdan Hot asked not a repeat offender. Isn't yeah. it fair to say that the five in a game could have been just enough? Like, if Bogdan's hot ass was a guy who was known for injuring people or was that dirty player, sure, I understand you give him the, 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 the two games. But the fact that the Red Deer Rebel player came back on the ice and was able to finish the game, Scott, am I wild into thinking that the five in the game could have just been, you know, a slap on the wrist for a first defense if this happens again? The second time around is a little bit more of a crazier suspension? I think it's more so just a, a fact that they want to get those type of incidents out of the game, and they have to, even for players who are first-time offenders, they kind of have to send a message. Um, it's the same thing as checks from behind or, or anything like that. Um, you know, again, not saying that it's the type of game that Bogdan's hot-ass plays because, you know, we haven't seen him uh, really take any, like, major five-minute penalties uh, over the course of the season here. But I, I think when you're dealing with players – that are like let's just be honest like we're not talking about full-grown men in the national hockey league who are a little bit stronger you know you're still dealing with players who are 17 18 years old and i think when you take a look at the the suspensions um i i do think the league likes to err on the side of caution a little bit to try and prevent situations like this from happening again and you know again i can't I can't really say whether or not the suspension is fair at this point because, quite honestly, I, it happened as the play was going up the other way. There was no replays of the play in the building, and I haven't seen any sort of video um, from my end to say, okay, well, that deserves two games or that should have been five in a game and, and that's it, or it should have been five games for, for Bogdan. I think it more so is just about trying to send a message that you can't be doing these type of things, especially when you're dealing with players who are 17, 18, 19 years old in this league. Um, and, you know, for, for Bogdan's, obviously it's tough because he has missed a decent chunk of time just due to, uh, you know, going overseas and playing in the Division One World Juniors and then uh, being uh, in COVID protocol for uh, a number of weeks as well. Um, you know, it's tough for, for Bogdan's, but if you look at it on the other side, even if the player doesn't suffer a, a huge injury on the play. I think you have to take a look at the play itself. The The injury plays a factor yeah. into it, but I don't think necessarily it has to be the, the biggest factor. We've seen that in the National Hockey League as well. I mean, Aaron Dell, goalie for the Buffalo Sabres, um, he lays that hit that you know sends Drake Batherson into the board, suffers a high ankle sprain. Obviously, it was a suspendable play, but so Drake Batherson suffers a high ankle sprain. He's out two months. Well, then by that aspect, Aaron Dell should 
serve a two-month suspension. So I think for the, the injury aspect, it definitely has to play into it, but I don't think it should be the ultimate deciding factor on how long or if a player gets suspended. Like you said, you, we, there's been no video circulated surrounding it. We haven't seen nothing, and it was behind the play. Um, so I can appreciate the league like calling or, or making that kind of decision to get a play like that out of the game because clearly they saw it and, and felt a certain way about it. But with that, I mean, with if, if there's no video replay – what did they see that they're not releasing? They clearly have video of it. Yes, they, they they likely will have video of the play, and that has been sent to the league office. It's just that video hasn't been publicly circulated yeah. at this point. They clearly had to see something in That's order to I'm make saying. that like, call. There has yeah. to be something out there to make that, that call, because if there's not, then... Yeah, I mean, you can't really justify the suspension. We just that. never got the replay in-house that night, and, uh, and, and haven't seen it circulated since. It's just... So, so like I said, I, I can completely understand and actually commend that they're that they're taking the steps to get plays like that uh, and, and put a penalty to, towards that to to really deter the league as a whole because the league takes notice when something like that happens. I also find it ironic that uh, that <laughs> was it just a little bit before that happened where where Carter Chorney takes a check from behind from Jaden yeah. Groob yeah. and then uh, and then Parsons steps in to to protect Chorney and overage. And, uh, and they end up both getting two-minute minors on top of the fighting majors. So anyway, that, that entire situation in that second period alone was a, a bit of a checkered one, I think is the, the nice way of putting it, uh, when the Tigers took on the Warriors. But, Scotty, the, the Tigers do end up, or when the Tigers took on the Rebels, rather, but the Tigers do find uh, a win on that Sunday in a nice bounce-back fashion after a, a tough Saturday and uh, though it, it ended well Saturday, I think we saw the transition into a, a more complete game Sunday against the Rebels. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we were talking about this post game, but you look at the shot totals in the third period, and you could say, wow, uh, Medicine Hat got caved in in the third period, only had three shots on goal. But I thought it was their arguably best period of the game. Um, you know, they played well in the first, uh, obviously, but I, I think that they really were opportunistic on their opportunities. Um, and it was led by Logan Barlogi, and I just got done. Uh, speaking with Logan, and um, you know, he was saying just how big of a performance it was getting the shot blocks at the end of the game. They did trying to keep Red Deer to the outside as they had the goalie pulled. Beckett Langkow, so good to see him finally pick up his first victory since October 22nd. Um, he's been a guy who's just gone through a bit of a, a rough stretch over the last couple of months, and to see him finally put it t- together a, a really solid performance against a, a dynamic Red Deer Rebels. Um, offense. We were talking on the broadcast as well. I don't know what it is with Beckett and the Red Deer Rebels, but he becomes uh, uh, George Vesna himself Something, when man. he's between the pipes against Red Deer. Um, he has been extraordinary against the Rebels, and um, he showed that again uh, the other night with a 33-save performance. Um, and then the Tigers' offense, they look dangerous, and I think it really was led by Logan Barlogi. That first goal he scored where he picks it up off the wing, lets the wrist shot go, doesn't uh, totally make its way towards the net, but has the presence of mind to pick it up and go for the wraparound and use that long reach of his being six foot five. Um, you know, it's just such a smart play, and that's a veteran play in the Western Hockey League. Um, it's a reason why the Tigers acquired him. And then he scores uh, again for Madison Hack, gets a tip on the goal, and um, just, it's really funny watching Logan Barlogi get so fired up for scoring for Medicine Hat, considering the past number of years, uh, it, he's been the sworn enemy of the Tigers playing for the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and he seems to have really found a home in this Tigers lineup. I was talking with him, and he's saying it's just, it means a lot to him and his family that he gets to end his junior career here playing for the same organization that his dad, Michael, did. 
Um, it's It's been a short amount of time, and it's his first two home games as a member of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Scored four goals over the weekend, now has five goals as a member of the Tigers. Um, if you were looking for someone to drive the bus and not necessarily replace Corson Hoplo and Lucas Vekovsky because they're very different players, but a player to kind of step into that role and uh, the player everybody's looking to, hey, we're down by a goal or two, we need this player to step up, It's it's been Logan Barlogi. Well, definitely it's it's wild how that veteran leadership really adds to a team. We've talked about it in numerous episodes. This is a very young team, and you add a guy like Barlogi, and, I mean, it, it's really changed the way that the, the, just the whole game, really. You look at the last two, it seems like they have more momentum offensively. And it's just it's wild to see. I'm currently in a Twitter battle with the Lethbridge Hurricanes right now because <laughs> of uh, become a huge fan of his. And you even mentioned it from foe to friend. Why are the Tigers fans behind Logan now? Is it because he's scoring goals, or is it because they're now noticing the change in the Tigers with him? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you know specifically for Logan, they've watched him play hard against this Tigers team for a number of years. And now finally get to say, okay, this guy's on our side now. And he brings – it is striking just how different of a player he is with Corson Hoplo. I mean, those two are going to be linked for a long time just because they were traded essentially for one another. But, you know, Corson is gritty but in a different way in the corners. Logan just uses that size and his puck retrievals are just fantastic. And um, he uses that power forward mentality to his advantage, as you saw in that first goal um, against Red Deer. He was a, a big factor in Medicine Hat's, you know, oh-so-close comeback against the Calgary Hitmen the previous night where they were down 6-2 with two minutes to go, and then all of a sudden it's a 6-5 game. Um, Logan was a big reason in that. Um, he's just become a player that I think fans can rally around, quite honestly. He plays an exciting style of game. Um, he has really tapped into what has made Logan Barlogi special, and he brought up to me, you know, at the beginning of the year, he just hasn't been producing offensively like he usually has. I mean, this is a guy who a couple of years back was scoring at a, close to a point per game in the league, and that's kind of trailed off, uh, especially this season. And now he's getting, you know, first-line opportunities. He's getting some excellent chemistry with Carter Torney, um, and he's really been able to fill that. And I think when you have such a young team like the Tigers, I think seeing is believing for this Medicine Hat squad. And when you see a player like that succeeding, dragging the team into the fight, the younger players jump on that and jump on that opportunity. Um, you know, you saw Andrew Basha, I think, had a, an excellent weekend and got promoted to top-line duty alongside Barlogi and Chorney. That's the type of thing that I think leads to consistency for this Tigers team. And we've talked to almost every single podcast about that work, consistency for Medicine Hat. And when you see players being able to drag you into situations like that, Lance brought up a great point on the broadcast. I think if you talked about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I don't know if the Tigers come back in that game. Um, you know, Red Deer took advantage in the second period. They got that power play goal uh, from Liam Keeler. They did basically what Calgary did the previous night. It was, there were two very similar games mm -hmm. where Medicine Hat played very well to start off. Calgary slowly came back, and then Calgary poured on the offense, and usually it's curtains at that point for Medicine Hat. Now, the Tigers, to their credit, on Saturday night, mounted this wild comeback in the last two minutes and just ran out of runway. But I think on Sunday, they really dug deep and wanted to win in regulation. And I think a big part of it goes along, too. They've already beat the Rebels twice this year. They have that confidence that they can beat this squad, who are one of the best 
in the WHL. We're coming into the game on a three-game win streak. Um, I, I think there's a lot of column A and column B, Jesse, when you're talking about Logan Barlocki and the impact he's had on a short amount of time. He's played four games for the Tigers, but the, the difference is definitely noticeable. Usually each and every week we end up talking about one player in particular, right? For whatever reason, we always end up oh. talking about, and like we, we kind of focus in on one player. And I think there's going to be uh, m- many times down the road that we're going to talk about Rhett Parsons, so I'll save him for another day. But, uh, but Scott, this might throw you off as it's something that we've never really talked about, but Oren Strom seemed like mm-hmm. he was getting going offensively and he's starting to get more chances. But do we take for granted his defensive game when you consider he's even in plus minus on a team that is last in the league and second wow. most in goals against, yet he's playing yeah, even? It's an underrated part of his game for sure. And I think that's been a big reason. You know, you can look at it one of two ways just in terms of Orange Strom. You could say, well, he's been bouncing up and down the lineup and really hasn't found the spots. And the Tigers, you know, at their forward core have made uh, a number of changes over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, a significant one being, um, you know, on Sunday night, they made Reed Andreessen a forward, even though they had a, a couple of forwards that they uh, sat that night just to try and try and try new things for this team. Um, so they've been doing a lot of different line combinations and Orrin Strom is, he's been first line. He's been fourth line. He's been on special teams. He's been all over the lineup, but I think it's not so much. It's a player that hasn't found a home in the lineup. I think it's been a player that, has the tools that Oren Strom does in terms of being an offensive point producer and a goal scorer, which, I mean, we've seen since uh, day one he's come into this Tigers team. That's kind of been his M.O. But I think his defensive responsibility, and it's still growing. He's still one of the younger players on the team, a lot of people forget. But I think his defensive responsibility in his own zone, he's not necessarily the guy who's going to be first back to the puck. But I think once the defender sends the first pass through the zone, waiting at the blue line is going to be Oren Strom. And he takes it in transition, and I think his transition game has really improved over the course of the year. So I think you know he's a player that, as he gets further along in his WHL career, I, I can imagine him becoming a player who really starts to incorporate more of that two-way mentality into his game. It's funny. I, I look kind of at the same thing of what's happening to Cole Sillinger right now. When Cole Sillinger yeah. played for Medicine Hat, he was – Pretty solid defensively, but, I mean, there were still drawbacks, and he was known for his shot in his point production. Over the course of his time in the USHL and over his first half of his first season in the NHL, you look at him, and he looks like a different player in his own zone, and that is something that he's built into his game is a lot more defensive responsibility and becoming more of a 200-foot player, and I think maybe not to the same extent, but I think Oren is really kind of following that path and he's really becoming a, a strong player who the Tigers can lead on defensively. I mean, even last year, he played 22 games. He was a plus eight. Yeah. I mean, not everyone on that team has to be a point getter. No. It's the guys like that that'll make an impact in a game. So I'm very curious. It's just like analytics and like hate plus minus. But yeah. when, you're, when your team is last in the league and you give up the second most goals in the Western Hockey League, yet that's, you have that a guy that's, that's not minus yeah. anything, like that he's even on the year, that... That that's when plus minus to me stands out, Scott. Yes or no? Yeah, I think so. I think it's more like if you look at plus minus on its own, you know, it's not my favorite stat in the world. No. But when you look at the extremes of plus minus, I think that starts to paint a picture of a player's, you know, in context, very very solid in plus minus or really really rough in plus minus. I think that starts to tell you a little bit more, and then you can delve deeper into the reasons why. Um, but Orin, I think it's even more impressive that he's 
still have the offensive production, maybe not to the same clip that he had last year as, as a breakout player in the league, but I think it's just been more, even more impressive that he's gone up and down the lineup and he's played with different linemates seemingly every single evening, and he's yeah. still being able to produce at both ends of the ice. Right. Now, Tigers getting set. Uh, it was supposed to be a lengthy road trip or a little bit of a road trip. They are going to be in Edmonton on uh, Wednesday. You, that game would have already happened by the time you heard this. But the Tigers are also supposed to go to Manitoba and do a little bit of uh, a road trip there. Brandon and then two games against Winnipeg. Doesn't look like they're going on that road trip anymore, are they, Scott? <laughs> well, not for the time being. I'm, I'm still expecting that they're going to be made up at some point and jammed into it already crazy month of March or late February. We'll see. But uh, yeah, the Tigers were supposed to gear up for uh, their biggest road trip of the season, just in terms of kilometers traveled. Um, They were going to start off in Edmonton on Wednesday and then a travel day Thursday game in Brandon on Friday, then two in in Winnipeg on Saturday, Sunday. It was kind of the the road trip. Everybody was kind of circling on the calendars. Their their big, long road swing this season. Um, That has been Push back for the time being. Like you said, uh, the game against Edmonton, uh, it will be completed by the time this goes up, but that game is still going on. Um, but those three games basically have been postponed just due to the restrictions in Manitoba and not being able to have any fans in the building. And, um, you know, Manit- uh, Winnipeg and Brandon both saying, you know, it's not financially feasible for us to be playing a game inside an empty rink and losing all this money. So we're just going to try and kick the can down the road a little bit. Hopefully, uh, you know, in March or, fe- or late February, uh, fans will be allowed to be back into buildings. So that's the reasons why those games have been postponed. Um, the good news for the Tigers is uh, they will still be playing a game this weekend, uh, a game against the Moose Jaw Warriors, which was originally set for uh, the early part of January. That game was postponed when pretty much the entire league went into COVID protocol. Um, was originally rescheduled for late March, and uh, the Warriors were planning or are still having a game on Friday night against the Swift Current Broncos on the road. So it just made sense logistically that saying, okay, well, we can move the game up then. They can just travel to Medicine Hat the next day, and uh, they're going to be at co-op place on Saturday, on Saturday night. So um, for Medicine Hat, I think it's a good thing. Um, they have two strong opponents that are coming up here, still being able to get games in and not having to wait around six, seven days for between contests and then trying to jam everything uh, down the stretch. It's still going to be very busy over the last uh, you know couple months of the season here, but this alleviates at least one game down that stretch yeah. in March that uh, can be played this weekend. Well, that actually, it works out because Musha was supposed to be in Brandon on that Saturday, so instead they just go into Swift and then uh, can just keep traveling over here. So that, that end of it kind of works out, but, uh, but yeah, Manitoba, Hey, <laughs> like Manitoba has been, been, been tricky. And like Jesse, you and I were talking it. about it. I just, I don't listen. I understand that you're going to lose money by having no fans in the stands. We're feeling that too, because we have quote unquote fans in the stands, but they're not able to eat and drink. Yeah. Right. So I just, I don't understand what Manitoba is doing. Winnipeg in general, where it's not like they're playing in a gigantic arena, they're losing out because now you got to cram all of these games in a small period of time. Scott, why are they not just either A, playing with no fans, or B, these two Manitoba teams not talking to other teams and maybe trying to play in other arenas? Well, I think it's just the logistics of it all. I think even to play in an empty arena right now, you know, they're the only teams that are that are facing that possibility in the entire Western Hockey League at this point. Um, it's I, I just think from a financial standpoint, it's not feasible, and it's not feasible not for just one or two games. You know, we, we could be possibly looking at for 
the remainder of the season not having any fans or any uh, ticket revenue for home games. And at the end of the day, you got to remember all these teams went through this in the development season where they had zero fans, zero gate revenue. This is where you start trying to collect some of the money. And just by holding a game at all the costs incurred by holding a game um, and not having any ticket revenue, these franchises, are if they play that game, they're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars um, per per game. Uh, let's just yeah. be honest. It is a significant financial burden for these teams to, you know, coordinate an entire staff. You know, you still have to have staff in for games, even if there's not fans. It's limited staff, but um, you, you also have to supply all the players coming to the to the rink, and you know, there's still you know road swings for opposing teams coming in. You know, for Medicine Hats and um, coming out to Manitoba the, over the course of this weekend, even if they're playing with no fans in, they're still paying for the busing. They're still paying for the travel. They're still paying for rooms and hotels and meals and stuff like that. It's the, the cost is adding up. And I think for teams, they were okay with it for 22, 23, 24, 25 games last year. But we're getting to the point where it's just you can't be doing it forever, and it's incurring a, a lot of financial burden on these franchises. So I think for for Brandon to Winnipeg, it's at this point saying we can't financially do this right now. Let's postpone and hope that in a month or two things change and we can at least get some fans in the building and start making some ticket revenue back. Because, quite honestly, if they play out a majority of their home games right now with no fans in the building – and then let's say they open things up with three games left in the season and they're all on the road, then you just lose out on all that ticket revenue that you may have gotten. It's, 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 it's a bet that they're basically playing right now that things are going to get better and the, the variance is going to start to whittle its way down in a month or two. But I think it's just the, the dollars and cents right now. It just does yeah. not work for these franchises to play a game with no fans in the building. Yeah, like if last year didn't happen, then they probably are, are playing Right now yeah. at home with no fans, I right? just feel but, like it's a waste because they're having a historic year right now, and and now they're pretty much practicing for the next month. But they just can't afford it. Like I said, if last year didn't happen, they would be playing at home right now without fans. And, I mean, you're seeing NHL teams playing with no fans out in Ontario and, and uh, the yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs and Ottawa Senators. But, yeah, but... <laughs> The, the biggest thing with that is we're not dealing with NHL franchises here. Yeah. We're not dealing with a, a billion-dollar owners that are, are footing the bill here. We're dealing with some community-owned teams in the league. We're dealing with teams that, you know, when the, when the pandemic hit, there were serious questions on will teams be able to survive this financially? When we get out on the other side and are able to, to play games, are there going to be teams that are going to have to fold because – the, the last two years has just been too much of a financial burden. The Canadian Hockey League teams don't have the deep pockets that NHL clubs do is kind of the reality of the situation. And so when you're dealing with half of your games not being able to be played in front of fans, and this, make no mistake, is a gate-driven league, um, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, I've been, I've been talking with the, the Wheat Kings and uh, the Ice broadcasters and they were saying it's it's such a tough decision right now to postpone these games, and obviously they they want nothing more to be playing at home right now. But it's just there's not a scenario at this point to have no fans in the building to incur all these expenses and to come out on the other side being able to to field a hockey team. I guess yeah, it's just so tough, like especially because then okay, you think if they go to travel to Saskatchewan, right, and they like. Because you and I were kicking around this idea, Jesse, about say they they reach out to another club and try and do that, but then yeah. I didn't even think about it. 
okay, so now you're going to have to pay for your team to bus out there, take the hotel, pay for food, and and do that for like a month's worth of home games. Like it, they just. It, that's even more costs on top of everything, right? Yeah, and it's Kootenai like, should just be like, "Hey, why don't you come back <laughs> come here? Come back to come back to play Cranbrook, a couple right? games in uh, in Cranbrook. We'll, we'll put you up. You know, that's you- the that's the 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 wild thing of all this is is how isolated now those two teams are from the rest of the league. That's just what I mean. Like, is it going to hurt them? Like, we we've talked about how Brandon being like a team who I believe can make a run. Like, they're they're sneaky good, and then yeah. Winnipeg having this historic season. I don't know if I put them as dangerous anymore because they may not have played as many games as some of these it's other teams come playoff. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, it's tough. It's basically the situation we're in right now is just there is so much hanging over, you know, like even this week, the Tigers getting ready for this crazy long road swing. We were getting ready, um, you know, I've been <laughs> packing my suitcase and getting ready for a, a five-day road trip, and then all of a sudden it's out the window. Um, yeah. This is not a perfect season by any aspect, and you are going to see teams that, like Winnipeg and, and Brandon, that they're just trying to roll with the punches, and I think just trying to stay alive right now um, yeah. financially. And I think, you know, you can't you can't go on a, a Memorial Cup run if the the team isn't around anymore because it's not financially feasible to, to play hockey. Yeah. Um, I, I think right now they're saying. This is our only option, is just to try and delay our home games. Um, we'll still play on the road, but to delay these home games in the hopes that things are going to be better in a month or two. Um, if it doesn't get any better in a month or two, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see if, if, if they're going to have to go by points percentage. We're going to have to see if teams are going to play an uneven amount of games against each other. There, there's a lot still on the table, and make no mistake, the Western Hockey League, they've come out with it before, they are going to do everything in their power to play playoff games this year to get playoff gate-driven revenue. And that might mean some teams are going to be at different spots in the standings when the regular season ends. That's not ideal, and the, the league has said they want 68 games for each team. There's a chance that that might not happen. I think everything is on the table right now for the Western Hockey League because after the way the last two years have gone, they need, and I cannot emphasize enough, need playoff revenue and uh, i think we can all agree that we feel terrible for both of those organizations right brandon and winnipeg because it's like you get put in this lose-lose situation right now especially with winnipeg considering they just moved there and and the team team is incredible yeah and and there's all these things but yet like they they still don't have the the rink ready from conversations that felt like were going on for years while they were still in cranbrook and just this this entire situation just it sucks, but hopefully you make the most of it, and and fingers crossed they are able to, to play game soon and later. Uh, last one for me, Scotty, before I let you go. Uh, it's around the Moose Jaw Warriors, who have won six in a row, potentially uh, maybe seven as they stop in Swift Current as uh, the, the evening of this podcast gets released Friday night. Uh, so it could be seven wins in a row, and some of the teams that they've knocked off on the road have been uh, pretty crazy considering on this road of six straight, they've beaten the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, they beat the Hitmen twice. They smoked Edmonton 8-1. to one. Uh, Also a shootout win over the Winnipeg Ice and then a 4-1 win over the Regina Pats. So this, this Warriors team clearly trending in the right direction, which I think we all anticipated just considering the talent. But but uh, to, to win seven of their last ten heading into tonight and six in a row, that is, uh, that's quite the run they're on, and it's not going to be an easy task for the Tigers. 
No, not at all. And considering the the three games they've played against Moose Jaw already this year, um, it has not been easy by any stretch of the imagination. Two of them were absolute uh, grinds for the Tigers, falling in heartbreaking fashion in overtime in two of those. And um, then their their last trip out to Moose Jaw, uh, one of the, the toughest third periods they've played this year. And, and Moose Jaw really took over that game over the final 20 minutes of play. Look, Moose Jaw, they're sneaky good. And I think they don't get enough credit just considering how young of a roster they have and how inexperienced they are. Um, that being said, they still have great players like Damon Hunt and Ryder Korzak. But you look up and down this lineup and you kind of forget about it until you look at their page. It's like, is half of this team drafted by NHL teams? <laughs> and they have, you know, they have a couple players and um, Denton Matejchuk, who is set to be probably a first-round pick this year. Uh, you have Jagger Furkus, who has really come along. He's probably going to be an NHL pick. And then uh, Braden Jaeger in a couple seasons, is going to be probably a first-round pick. Um, this is an excellent team, and I think that it's still very young in their development. That's why there hasn't been conversation of, oh, they're in the same stratosphere as Edmonton and Winnipeg right now. But they're playing excellent hockey. They're showing the talent they have on this roster. And I'm looking at this Moose Jaw team, and I'm saying, boy, next year this is a team I think that could really make a run for a WHL championship. Um, they, they have so much depth at the defensive core, at forward, um, they have Carl Tedichuk between the pipes right now, who's a veteran in this league. Um, they are an extremely tough out. And I think for the Tigers, um, it is not an easy opponent. And even though they're going to be playing on home ice, um, Moose Jaw is just a team that it can stay in the fight for a long, long time. They usually play their best hockey uh, late in games. We saw that here at home at Co-op Place when Medicine had had a lead. And Moose Jaw was able to tie it up late and then win in overtime courtesy of Denton Matejchuk. It is not going to be an easy going for, for the Tigers. Not a night they can take off. They, can, they can't say, okay, well, at least we don't have to face uh, Brandon and Winnipeg this weekend. No, this is, this is just as tough as an opponent. And Medicine Hat has not picked up a win against the Warriors this year, so you can bet that they're going to be hungry going into uh, Saturday night's contest. Yeah, that Braden Yeager, a thorn in oh, the side gosh. of the Medicine Hat Tigers. That dude's He's coming so off a hat trick against the Blades. He's got 42 points in 39 games, and he seems to always get points against the Tigers. <laughs> so we'll see him Saturday night. Uh, Scott, as always, appreciate you. Chat TV Roblin is where you can find him on Twitter. He's got all... He's up to date on Tiger stuff all the time, man, and we appreciate the hell out of him for coming on the podcast. You can catch him Saturday night with Lance on Chat 94.5. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, boys. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is water pressure without it dirt bugs birds business and everything else stays on thankfully south country co-op extreme car wash has the water pressure state-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from south country co-op four locations maple avenue northlands crescent heights and strachan road this is your best wash this extreme touchless car wash from south country co-op you're at home here water pressure We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, 
getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. Uh, it's Jesse and Lance, and now we get a chance to talk about that uh, the Edmonton game. Yeah. Of course, now that we are recording this, Tigers playing in Edmonton at mm-hmm. Rogers Place. Uh, one nothing after one period. Thought it was going to be okay. Woke up and six uh, two finals. So looks like uh, the Tigers struggling in that uh, second period. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be okay, and then that second one just uh, just got away from them a little bit. But it's not necessarily to be expected, but it's understandable when you consider where these two teams are at. Right when you look at where the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings are compared to the Medicine Hat Tigers, and just simply look at the amount of players on the Oil Kings that. We're representing Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championship, and how many of the Tigers had? I mean, that's that's almost everything you need to know. But uh, another tough night, unfortunately, for Garen Bjorklund. Uh, first period wasn't too bad, like you said, one nothing. But then early in the second, just kind of got caught out. Even you know, just a couple minutes in, they give up three goals in a matter of what a minute and ten seconds, mm-hmm. and that kind of flips the script. And, and Bjorklund, for I believe the fourth time in his last five starts, gets pulled. Uh, midway through the game, Beckett Lankow comes in, does a good job, mm-hmm. earned save of the night honors on that Wednesday night, even with uh, with a pair of saves that he made, stops thirty three of thirty five shots. So uh, it'll be interesting now, kind of moving forward on on how things go, and obviously this team moving forward into next year is going to run through Garen Bjorklund. So you want to try and get him flipped back on the right yeah. track, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is to, to try and make that happen. If it's something you just got to play out of or if, if there's something that you can try and focus on, maybe giving them a bit of a break. I, I'm not sure where they go from here. If we've learned anything, Bjorklund very good the night after. Like, it's very rare that he has a back-to-back rough night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he is good. We, and I think we talked about it last week with uh, with Scott that he was surprised that when Bjorklund got taken out that they used him the next night and he looked really good. Possibly could we see him back in net? Saturday night against Moose Jaw, or if I'm Willie, do I sit there and go, you know what, take a little bit of time off, let's regroup, and let's have Beckett in Saturday night against the Moose Jaw Warriors. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say. I would I would anticipate that Beckett Lankow gets to start against Moose Jaw on Saturday. That's just a guess based off of how things have gone. Really, the last two or three weeks for for Garen Bjorklund, it just it, it hasn't gone well. I mean, you, you go back in his last five games. Five games ago, Red Deer Rebels are in town, score three goals on seven shots. And yeah. then uh, Brooklyn's pulled within 10 minutes. The next night that he's able to start, uh, goes into Saskatoon and gets pulled midway through the second period after allowing six goals on 16 shots. Uh, has a better outing against the Prince Albert Raiders. That, that was a bounce back. Uh, makes 31 saves in, in a win. Uh, and then, again, five goals against the Calgary Hitmen. Gets pulled in that game. And uh, and we saw what happened there against uh, Edmonton, getting yeah. pulled midway through that one. So uh, it hasn't been the 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 glowing starts that uh, that Garen's obviously wanted, nor the team. 
So maybe you just try and get him out of the net and let him reset for a bit, right? Is that the thing? Do you give a, a goaltender like that some time to kind of get out of that funk? Because you know that's in the back of their mind, right? It's, I mean, sports in general. You're yeah. overthinking it. You're, you're, that's all that's on your mind. Do you give him that little bit of a, a rest? Or does that make it even worse for a goaltender? Is it almost yeah, better to say. to say, go out there, shake the cobwebs off, and let's get you back to the, the Bjorkland that we know that you are? That yeah. we've seen already. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And maybe it's something we can try and, and dive into. Maybe next week we, we can reach out to Matt Wong, see if he's available, the goaltender coach, and just kind of and, and run it by him and see what he thinks. Because it, it's so hard to know on the outside, right? Because goalies are just different in general. Yeah. But every single goaltender reacts to things in, in different ways. And, and what's best for one definitely isn't going to be what works for another. I, I mean, every single player is like that, but goaltenders... It's just a different position. It's a different set of responsibilities. So it's hard to know for sure. I, I think that he does need a break. I mean, you look at ever since we got into 2022, he hasn't had a game where his save percentage has been over 900 in that game. Mm. I mean, his save percentage has been under 900 since January 2nd in the games that he's been in. So uh, there just needs to be some time away and a bit of a reset, I think. Makes you wonder, is there any injuries going on there that maybe that aren't could... serious injuries, but something that's bugging him? Again, you maybe. just never know. Yeah, right? yeah, you, yeah, that's true. You just don't. You just so. don't. But uh, we do know Tiger's going to be back in action Saturday night. Co-op play, 7 o'clock start against the Moose Jaw Warriors. It does not get easier. No. You look at, uh, they were going to play Brandon, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. That was going to be yikes. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Moose Jaw coming to town, we talked about Still it with Scott. Yikes. Still a yikes. Moose Jaw is a very good team. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, they're they're building for their future, yep. and I think their future is maybe not this year, but uh, you look at next year, the year after, yeah. Moose Jaw could be a powerhouse team. Well, we've seen when their goaltender, Carl Tadichuk, played for Lethbridge, and the the run that they went on when they thought they were a bit of a seller in the, in one one of those years – then they make the deal with with Swift Current when Swift Current was loading up, and all of a sudden they make it to a deep run in the playoffs, and you can kind of see where this all stems from. But Carl Tedichuk comes in and uh, and has played his way into some really good hockey once again for Moose Jaw. They've won six in a row, potentially seven in a row, uh, as they stop in Swift Current before they come into co-op play. So they'll be playing Friday night in Swift. Uh, the, the Moose Jaw Warriors are, are for real. They got a lot of talent all, mm-hmm. all over the ice. Whether it's Korzak or Damon Hunt, who uh, who kind of lead the way, but then you you look past it. It's Jagger Furcus, Brendan Yager, Denton Matejchuk, yeah. uh, like Eric Allry. They have a lot of talent on that team. So uh, so it's not going to get any easier it's by true. any stretch. No, but uh, Scott Lance, they'll have the call Saturday night on Chat ninety four five. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.